0: The really cool thing about finance is we are the keepers of the kingdom we know everything we have access to all the data so if we can understand what the challenges are in one department we can start pulling information for them in a way they can understand it
1: Welcome to episode 23. And my guest today is my good friend and colleague, Jennifer Elder, who is a CPA. Now, Jennifer works with financial leaders to become more strategic, stay ahead of the competition, and be more successful. As a consultant and keynote speaker, Jennifer is known for being energetic and enthusiastic. She has the natural talent for taking complicated topics and making them simple practical, and immediately implementable. CPA Practice Advisor named Jennifer one of the top 25 women in accounting in 2018. The American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Maryland Association of Certified Public Accountants named her a woman to watch in 2015. She has been awarded Outstanding Educator by the American Institute of CPAs five times. In 2018, Jennifer earned the designation of Certified Speaking Professional. She is one of only 10 people worldwide who hold both the CPA and CSP designations. And Jennifer, I know you're listening to this. Let's just hope that maybe I can join that and we can push that number from 10 to 11 in 2019. Before we get to the interview... I wanted to share with you that Change Your Mindset is now being distributed on C-Suite Radio. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast
0: is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business.
1: If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you think that I could add value as a speaker to an upcoming conference, please contact me at peter at petermargaritas.com and put in the subject line, CYM Speaking Opportunity. Well, now that all that's out of the way, let's get to the interview with Jennifer Elder. It's been way too long since I've had my very close good friend, Jennifer Elder, on my podcast. And she's up in New Hampshire looking out her window at all the beautiful snow and skiing that she's going to do when she's done with today's episode. So, Jennifer, thank you very much for taking time out to be on the podcast.
0: Thank you very much, Peter. It is a pleasure to be here.
1: And uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation because Jennifer does speak about the CFO role and how the cfo role will change as technology becomes more prevalent in the workplace. So, I wanted her to kind of give us that background on how that role will begin to change from let's just say from CFO no, to something more strategic.
0: Exactly. That's exactly how I describe it is the past the role has already started to change that the in the past the role of the cfo was historian record keeper and the cf no their mission in life was to say no to everything because no it's not in the budget no 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 can't do that you're not following the policy procedure there's no exception and it was all about command and control Mm -hmm. and that's great if you are in a very stable environment but the rate of change it's never going to be any slower than it is right now. And it's really <laughs> hard to keep up as it is. Right. So, that command and control doesn't work anymore. You know, it, it's, I, I liken it, and some people may have already heard this uh, reference, but when you're driving your car, you have your windshield, you have your rear view mirror. Mm. The rear view mirror is small because it gives you a little bit of information, but not enough. Really, you need to be looking forward through that big windshield. And the typical, in the past, the role of the CFO was looking at the historical financial statements, which is looking behind them mm-hmm. in the rearview mirror. It tells you where the ship has been. It doesn't necessarily tell you where it's going. And there's too much, too much change, too much risk out there that the CFO now has to shift that perspective and look forward. They have to start to be able to look into the crystal ball, mm-hmm. and see what's coming down the pike.
1: Whoa. Well, then this is a perfect topic for my podcast, Change Your Mindset, because it sounds like the CFO needs to change their mindset into something completely different than they've been doing in the past.
0: Yes. it's, it's Again, it's no longer about what did we do. Mm-hmm. It's what are we going to do and how do we protect ourselves? How do we position ourselves to take advantage of what's coming down in the future? And if you're not thinking ahead of what you're going to do, you're already behind. When you're surfing, you have to look ahead and and be ready to catch the next wave. If you try and catch it when it's here, you miss it completely.
1: Yeah, so if you're a a controller or aspiring to be a CFO, then this episode is real important to you. And listen carefully because you're gonna need to change that mindset and apply some of the nuggets that Jennifer is gonna bestow on us on things that we need to do to become that CFO of the future.
0: Yeah. So the things to do to become the CFO of the future are really to look ahead. See, think about what's going on in the world and how that might affect your organization. So you want to be looking at trends. Okay. What are the trends in your in the world? It could be if you are operating globally, what's going on in the countries that you operate in? If you're national, what's going on in, in your country? Regionally, same thing. You also need to look at your industry. What's going on in that industry? What are the trends that are affecting it? Is there something that's causing the industry to constrict? Is there something that's causing the industry to expand? Now, in the accounting and finance role right now, the trend everybody's looking and talking about, as you mentioned, is technology. And How is that going to change everything? And sadly, some book somewhere gave the, the number that 94% of all accountants will lose their jobs due to technology.
1: Now, wait a minute. We know 73% of all statistics are made up.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And and some of us have been around since the dinosaurs were roaming the earth. And we saw the switch from using tax preparers to TurboTax. And when TurboTax came out, everybody said, that's it, the sky is falling, there'll be no more tax preparers. And that's not the case the role shifted. But if the tax preparers that didn't shift, yes, they got left behind. And the same thing with corporate finance is that they have to be prepared for the shift because AI will affect what we do. So we need to change how we do it. So yes, AI will start to impact how you do your accounting. And there are lots of software programs now that integrate between buyers and sellers so you don't have ap clerks entering data we have expense reporting software that will do things automatically for us and ultimately years down the road when we get into blockchain you know we may not need ar or ap clerks but we're still going to need the people to give advice and that's the real shift
1: so, I, the gentleman's name escape me escapes me. He is the former chair of the MACPA, Maryland Association of CPAs, uh, who is the CFO at McCormick. Uh, Ken, yeah, Ken. Ken but we'll Kelly just, could be King. We'll just call him Ken because that's it. At, least, at least we get his first name. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess he shared with with folks uh, with Tom Hood and the folks at, at the Maryland Association that he's put in robo- RPAs, robotic robotic process automation where there's, mm-hmm. they've got these two bots. And, and since it's McCormick, they named one Pepper and one Obey. <laughs> and these All bots right. go in and reconcile uh, you know, almost everything or anything that needs to be reconciled, but they're reconciling it within a matter of seconds versus a matter of hours. Yes. And, and and they they have lost some staff over it. Because they didn't need that that work, the, the the automation took care of that. But what they needed, to your point, was they needed somebody to go. Okay, let me look at this report. Let me see where those areas are that's telling me that I need to go look at. Let me go find the answer and then communicate it upward.
0: Yes. So bots will do some of the work, and but they're still going to you're still going to need somebody to review the work that the bots did and look at what they're reporting so a bot can come in there and look and say here are the transactions that don't make sense but somebody has to come in and say do they really make sense and if they don't who's going to do the research to figure out what really should have happened so the bots will look and find transactions that are not within normal you know standard deviations Mm but somebody has to interpret these and figure them out. So problem-solving skills Mm -hmm. will be Mm -hmm. another skill for the future. You can get these reports, but who's going to tell you what to do with them? So a couple of the the mindsets that have to change are one is thinking towards the future. Two is problem-solving. And three would be, how do you communicate that information throughout your organization in a way that people hear it and understand it.
1: So we're, we're, and I've said this for a long time. Accounting is a foreign language, and we as CPAs need to become better translators of that foreign language into plain English. Yes. That's what you're saying. We need to we need to speak in plain English versus jargon.
0: Yes, it's, it's jargon, and it's also going from data to information to insight and as accountants we tend to love to produce data reports yes oh boy and that's wonderful i love crunching the numbers too mm. but a report is only useful if the reader can do something with it right so we purport, prepare reports that's data information is when you tell me it's important and insight is now when it informs my decision-making. So when I teach classes on the the skills of the future and presentation skills, I break it down into five words. To really add value to your organization, when you're preparing a report, you have to get to the what, the so what, and most importantly, the now what.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: So what is data? Mm-hmm. So what is why should I care? Right. So I remember giving a, a presentation at Tech Data and I mentioned this and the, the CFO went, thank you. <laughs> so I'm the CFO of a $15 billion company. I don't care about a $15,000 variance. I don't need to know that. It's not in my world that's not important. Is it important to somebody? Yes, but it's not at my level. No. So we always we have to take the data we prepare. That's the what. Put it in context so that we know whether we should care about it. And then now, what is? What do I do with that information? How does it inform my decision making? What direction should I go as a result?
1: And you just said something really critical. I mean, important in, in that statement. That, in, in essence, when the, when we get the report together, we need to understand what audience this report is going to. I don't need to take that fifteen thousand dollar variance to the CFO. He'll throw me out of or her throw me out of the office. I need to bring them the big things now. Maybe to my manager or somebody else within the organization that's important. But I think that as, as CPAs, we want to give them everything that we've done. And we're not thinking about the audience, uh, what they need. I'm just uh, telling you what I think I should give you.
0: Right, right. If we, we if we're doing the what, we're just presenting the data that we think somebody needs to mm-hmm. needs to get. But you have to think about it from their perspective. So I try and explain to people that you have you've really got to think about your audience, what matters to them. And I often say. What is it that they're afraid of? The information that protects them is something that they will be most concerned with. The other thing to think about when you're presenting information to non-financial people is to think about the difference between what they want to hear versus what they need to hear. And... Sometimes we will jump in with what we think someone needs to hear, and they'll just be rolling their eyes and drumming their fingers and like, I don't really care about this. You need to get to the number I want to hear. So they tune out everything else. So one of the things to think about is the difference between what somebody needs to hear and what somebody wants to hear. And if you start with what somebody needs to hear first, you'll come across like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. They don't really care. They're just waiting to hear the number that you're going to, that, that is important to them. So they tune out everything else. Think about when you have to do a performance review with somebody. What are they waiting for? What is, what's the one thing they really want to know when you do a performance review?
1: Am I getting more money?
0: Exactly. (laughs) So until you tell them that, all they hear is blah, 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 blah. So if you tell them that first, now they'll pay attention. Mm -hmm. So it's thinking you've really got to get inside your audience's head. Another shift in mindset, step out of your own head, get into the head of the audience and think about what's important to them. Give them something they want to hear first, then they'll pay attention to what they need to hear.
1: I still can remember when I was at Victoria's Secret Catalog, not as a model, but thank you for thinking about that. Uh, and it was my first day working with the CFO. And he said, I got a project for you to do and I uh, give it to me the next day. And man, I researched this thing. I had like five pages and I thought I was just hot. I thought I just nailed this thing. I took it to him the next day and he looked at it counted the pages and threw it in a trash can. He said, you've got one hour to produce one page with bullet points on the most important thing in here because I don't have the time to read the five pages. Get out of my office.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tuck your tail and run. Yeah,
1: and and that was was critical in the learning process because he actually told me what I had done wrong and go back and think about it. I never made that mistake again.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people who are further up the food chain than we are, they have less time than we do. So I, they want the Reader's Digest summary. Well, let's it's see really uh, its version.
1: Yeah, let, let, I know you uh, you do some communicating in the workplace and a a version of the Myers Briggs. But if we think about bringing that into this, CPAs are. In that room that, realm that we, we love data we like to produce a lot of information but there comes a point like when you're in that dominant quadrant, the, the, the CEO, the CFO, the drivers of the business, they don't have the time to look at everything.
0: right They and, want a summary the executive we call it an executive summary for a reason right They will assume that you have done a good job. If they've asked you to report to them on something, they trust you, they believe in you, they assume you've done your homework. They just want you to cut to the chase. What? So what? Now what?
1: Right. So the other question I have is, I mean, when I talk to audiences, I ask how many CFOs I have in the room. There's a lot of hands that go up. So how many of you are in charge, have a human resource for supporting to you? Most of the hands stay up. How about IT? Most of the hands stay up. How about marketing? No hands go up. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is good, I guess. But that's a, But what type of hats do CFOs need to begin to wear uh, as they transition into this role and as, and as the, the landscape changes?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the CFO typically does cover HR. If you're lucky, you have uh, a manager of HR, you might have a chief HR officer, but they still tend to report to the CFO. IT, same thing because IT is related to data. Mm -hmm. So that's often under the CFO's role. And that's getting more challenging because the technology is getting more and more complicated. But as a CFO, you don't need to know the the, the IT structure in detail. Right. But you have to understand what your goals are. And IT is changing so rapidly that you can't think about keeping your your IT structure up to date. You have to think about how you're going to get it ready for five years, 10 years from now. So you may not, uh, I talk to a lot of companies and I say, you know, ask, do you have a server, your own servers? And they'll say yes. I said, how often do you replace them? Somewhere between every three to five years. And my question for them is, do you really want to replace it again? Maybe it's time to start thinking about going to the cloud because you're throwing good money after bad. Hmm. That's where we're going. Right. So CFOs have to become a little... It's another shift in mindset is becoming a little bit more comfortable with risk. But as Eisenhower would say, you take a calculated risk not jumping off a cliff. Right. But it's taking that calculated risk. Another you mentioned that CFOs never have responsibility for marketing, <laughs> but they actually need to start to do some marketing of themselves. Yes. Because we have a bad rep. We're accountants. The first word that comes to mind when you ask somebody on the street, what do you think of when you think of accountant? uh boring yeah or taxes or you're good at math <laughs> which is a, which is a joke because I don't know any CPA who can't who does math without using a calculator or Excel but it's that that's really how number phobic the rest of the world is mm-hmm. uh, so we have a bad rap to begin with then, The history is that a lot of people in your organizations, the only experience they've had with the finance department is the CF, no, I'm not going to approve your expense report or you violated procedure or you exceeded your budget. It's all bad. Mm -hmm. They don't see how we can help them. So... The CFO or controller or really anybody in finance needs to start thinking about themselves as their own personal brand. And you have to work hard to get over the assumptions that people have about us. So one of the things I suggest that people do is go out and visit. Go see people in your organization.
1: So, but when the accountant shows up for the first time to go into, let's say, in the sales department to talk to somebody over the sales, the salespeople all freak out. Yes, they will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, did a, I did an opinion piece that Accounting Today published a couple of years ago. It was about, it's time to get from behind our desk uh, to that point. I, I, and that's a critical piece that as accountants, CPAs, CFOs, we need to network our way around the building because it's all about yes. relationships.
0: Yes, and, it is.
1: And when I came into, when I went to Victoria's Secret, I got into the accounting profession late in life and, and I knew there's that stereotype. And I knew that if I didn't get to know people in the organization one-on-one and in a personal way, I could never get information from them because they're d- defensive when the CPA shows up. But if I get, if I could get them to look at me and go, oh, it's Pete, yeah, have a seat. Yeah, What, what do you need? That information comes a lot easier.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things I did when I joined a home builder uh, as their CFO down in Florida, and the prior CFO was a bit of a nightmare. Nobody liked him. Mm. So, I've got that baggage for me. (laughs) So, you know, I would go see people and they're like, oh, Jen's coming. Oh, this is not going to end well. (laughs) So... After the first two times of that, I said, yeah, something's got to change here. So I started going to different departments, and I would just drop off chocolate. Drop off chocolate or flowers or just something. And they'd look at me and go, oh, what's going on here? It's like nothing. This is just to help make your day a little bit brighter. And I I wouldn't ask any questions. I would just leave. And then maybe a week or two later, i go by and I'd say, hi, how you're doing? And, you know, they remember I brought them something. So now yeah. they say hi, and I can have a conversation with them. And as you get to know them, you can start asking the key questions of what are your biggest challenges? Mm-hmm. What do you struggle with? And then we can start thinking about how can we help because the really cool thing about finance is we are the keepers of the kingdom. We know everything. We have access to all the data. So if we can understand what the challenges are in one department, we can start pulling information for them in a way they can understand it. So one example I can give you is with the another company I worked for, bottled water manufacturer and distributor. Mm-hmm. Talking with the production guy, he said, you know, one of my biggest challenges is, is I never know what's coming down the pike. What, what big accounts have we landed that I need to adjust our inventory for? Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to stop myself from rolling my eyes because he actually had that information. He just didn't know he had it. Ah. So he was getting a report. He just didn't know how to read it. So, instead of pulling out the report and handing him and saying, hey, you get this every week. (laughs) So, apparently, you have not been reading it, which would embarrass him and, you know, again, really make me look bad. I just said, tell me what it is you really want to know. And I wrote down his words.
1: Mm, And then
0: just produced the same report, and I changed the titles.
1: So to his, work, to his, work. To his words, yeah,
0: yeah. it was the exact same report, changed the titles to his words. I sent it to him and I said, let me know if this will help. He came running back to my office saying, oh, my God, thank you so much. This is fabulous. He just couldn't read the report using accounting words.
1: And that's sales words. Yeah, that's that's an interesting concept because I, I I take a bigger picture with this, and because I remember back in the day, uh, if I missed an episode of Gilligan's Island, I wouldn't see that episode until maybe a year later or during the reruns or whatever. But now today we've got all it's almost like this a la carte menu. So when we're thinking about an organization, the sales people talk differently than the IT people talk differently than customer service. We have to tailor those reports. I love these words to their words. So yes. they can understand, as a profession, how can we as CFOs, as leaders within our organization, begin to think about, we speak a foreign language to everybody else within the organization, how can we take our reports and tailor them to the language of the user, not the language of the preparer? I well, think that would be huge.
0: It is huge. And I can, I can share one story and then I've got a hint. <laughs> one story is... I worked for a company that was owned by a venture capital group, and we were part of a six-company consortium. And every month, we had a conference call about earnings. And on that call were six CEOs, six CFOs, and then I don't know how many venture capital people on the call. And we all went through the same two slides. And I'd been doing this for about six months. It was always the CEOs that spoke. CFOs were just there in case there was a question. So this particular month, my CEO had laryngitis. So I had to give the presentation. And I got through and I said, you know, here's our revenue and these are expenses. And here are EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. And then I heard this. That's what that means. (laughs) In that group, right. somebody had no idea what it meant. And we all have people like that in our organizations who may either have just started or they've been there a while, but we use jargon. Yeah, They don't want to raise their hand and say, excuse me, I'm clueless. I don't know what this means. So they suffer in silence to try and figure it out. And in the meantime, they've you've gone on with your presentation and they're still struggling trying to figure out Some of the words, so I encourage people to share the what their jargon is. And at a presentation at a Fortune 500, I won't share the name (laughs) because for them it might be a little embarrassing. Uh, They did have an acronym that they used to measure revenue. Uh, They called it RevPar. RevPar. RevPar and. I had to ask them. I said, I'm not in your industry. Can you help me out and tell me what it means? And three other people in the room said, yeah, I could use with understanding what that means
1: too. Yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine, uh, acronyms. Uh, I I just, I did something for um, a very large retail organization located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And in preparation for my... Uh, presentation, I asked them, I need to understand your language. And this was the construction division. And they sent me eight pages of acronyms. Eight. Wow. 413 Ouch. acronyms just within that department. And some wow. of them were overlapping. And I was looking through these and I saw STD. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but that's, that, that stood for season to date. Ah. Yeah, so uh, and and we, it doesn't matter what profession we're in, what organization. When we're inside that organization, we talk in acronyms, but the salespeople don't understand it. We have to, I tell folks, especially when you're doing a presentation and if you're using PowerPoint, if you're using an acronym, write it out so everybody knows what it is and then show what the acronym is and then move on. Because exactly. you should not the, the deer in the headlights look should go away, but we make yes. assumptions.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the other hint I would give people to find out whether their reports are connecting with people would be if you prepare a, a report weekly, monthly, prepare it and don't send it Uh-oh. and see who notices <laughs> The people who notice and call you are the ones who find value in your report. The others, not so much. Now, I know myself, when I worked in corporate, I used to get all kinds of reports that I don't know how I got on the distribution (laughs) list, but I didn't need them, but somebody decided I needed them. And that happens to a lot of people, a prior person in that role, Uh, The role has changed, but nobody will ever call someone and say, hey, stop sending that report because they're worried they might be missing the point. But if you don't send it and somebody doesn't notice, now you have an opportunity to make a connection with them and go talk to them. If they're within your building, go talk to them. If they're in another state, pick up the phone or do a Zoom or Skype call. Uh, and just say yeah, this is where you got to be really tentative because you don't want to what, kind of come across like you're attacking somebody mm-hmm. but I would call and say hey I screwed up so it's all about me right in the front up front mm-hmm. it's my problem I screwed up I forgot to send that report but here's the thing I you didn't email me or call me to let me know you didn't get mm-hmm. that report so I'm thinking and I get, I do I get very tentative mm-hmm. I'm thinking that maybe you don't need to get this report or it's not giving you the information you need. What else can I do for you instead? Mm -hmm. And that gives me a chance to have a conversation. Sometimes the answer is, yeah, they're on the distribution list and they don't need to be there. Number two, maybe I need to change some of the words on the report so that they can understand it. Or number three, I just need to, tailor the report, and give them slightly different information. But having that conversation allows me to connect with them and figure out what it is I need to give them so that they can do their job better.
1: Right. It's, it's funny, as you're describing that, we have a mutual client in the Baltimore area. Uh, they'll remain nameless, but... I was doing a session and I was talking, they said about the reporting and the stack that, the, the, that goes, the package, the package for the meeting. The package for the meeting was, you know, five inches, six inches thick. And, and they go, we know they're not reading it. And we know they're not reading at all, but this is, uh, and I got these words just send me This is the way we've always done it.
0: We've done it. Oh.
1: And, I, and I, I said the same thing to them. Pull something out that you don't think that they're reading. If they call you, then, oh, just fall on the sword. My fault. I, I, I apologize. It won't happen again. But I would bet 99.99% of the time, nobody's calling because nobody's even reading it. Exactly.
0: And, you know, I can't say I've ever come across somebody recently that said, oh, yeah, I've got plenty of time to do my job. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? No, no. no,
1: that would be nice. So,
0: you know, having to read reports that, aren't summarized, don't give you something useful, something actionable. You know, we don't need statistics. We don't need background. We need actionable information. And we do it with reports and we do it with meetings. That's another one of my pet peeves. And I think it's probably everybody's pet peeve is meetings. Right. So maybe one more tip about changing your mindset is to stop doing meetings for everything. And sometimes we get added to the invitation list for a meeting because we needed to present some information once. And now we've been invited every single month. And we don't need to be there, but there are people there who, you know, possibly have an effect on your career. So we go. Bored to tears. We keep the cell phone underneath the table and we do the cell phone prayer the whole time. Exactly. So if you're going, if, if you're being asked to attend meetings that you really don't see the value to, you really should call the meeting planner and say, Is it important that I come. Do you see the value in my attendance? It's up to them. If they say yes, no, I'm sorry, you still have to go. But most times if you don't see the value, they won't see it either.
1: I was going to say, my, my brother's the VP of a, of a uh, large organization uh, fashion retailer in the Columbus area. And we were driving out to Bowling Green for a memorial service. And, and he's on this phone call and he goes, he puts on me, he goes, I don't know why I'm listening to this. It has, I'm in this meeting. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I got put onto this thing. And, and I need to be off this meeting because this is just wasting my time. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, we know that there's a lot of people out there listening to this podcast are are actually driving down the road or in the gym, (laughs) nodding their head, up and down, going, yeah,
0: exactly. I don't have time. I got other stuff I should be doing. Yeah. So the reality is there should only be two reasons for a meeting. Number one is to have a discussion get people into a room to have a conversation, to do some brainstorming, to think about pros and cons, risks and rewards. Should we? Should we not? You need the people in the room for that. The second reason to have a meeting would be to make a decision. Beyond that, they're a waste of time. We don't need status updates because people can write a status update and guess what? Everybody else can read it. Unless there's something that is a problem that needs to be discussed, you don't need a weekly update meeting.
1: That's what video's for, right? Use your cell phone. Give the update. Send it out to everybody that, that needs it so you, you're saving everybody's time so they can be more efficient. And they get to see you. And they get the information without having to sit in a conference room. And I, I actually, I worked for an employer, name nameless, that we had a meeting to discuss how to have a meeting. <laughs> and I just went that's the most redundant thing I think I've ever heard of look up the word redundant and there was a meeting I talked about how to have a meeting and that's what I knew that I was in I, I, was, I was in la la land I mean how do you who, who actually could do that and think that would be an effective use of time
0: yeah yeah Although, on the other hand, there are a fair number of organizations that need to have that meeting because they do their meetings so badly. Right, right. And and so I think that's another change in mindset that people have to understand or, or start thinking about is we're all too busy. So what is it that we are doing or asking people to do that really is not efficient? And in the finance department, you know, we are... We're responsible for process and procedure. And we may think we have a good idea on process and procedure, but sometimes we really need to talk to the people doing the process and procedure Mm -hmm. to see if it makes sense. I was on a cruise last year and I would go up to the the, uh, bar in the afternoon and Here's where it got weird. If you asked for a vodka and tonic, they would pour you a drink, and the tonic would come out of the gun. If you just asked them for a club soda, they, and I brought a, an insulated cup that would generally take about two bottle, two cans of, of soda. Yeah. they wouldn't fill it from the gun. They had to open up a can of club soda, pour it into the cup. I had to step away from the bar, turn around, and come back to get a second can to fill my cup. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, on what planet does this make any sense? Oh, And I just, I'm thinking to myself, that's cost accounting gone wrong. Right. (laughs) Where somebody has a brilliant idea that this would be a way to keep track of costs, but when I start thinking about, you know, the the time and effort of stocking the bar with these cans of club soda, Mm -hmm. the weight of the cans versus using the gun.
1: Mm -hmm, And
0: then they have to dispose of the trash. The cost of that far outweighs the benefit of the cost accounting. So we have to stop saying that we know better than everybody else. We have to put ourselves in their shoes and the people who work for us have fabulous ideas on how to do things better, faster, more efficiently. If only we would listen. And sadly, again, I'll go back to the fact that people have been the CF. No. So too many employees will go, yeah, I have a great idea, but no, I'm not going down to finance. That's that's, you know, Dilbert shows the finance accounting department is in the basement, staffed by trolls with
1: pitchforks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting visual you just gave me. Uh, but we but we do know that those who are not in our world tend to think of us. That's how we live in the world, uh, and yeah, you know, it, it goes back to really how do we create a relationship within the organization that we are asked for permission versus forgiveness?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yep. it, go- it just goes with kind of stepping away from our titles and everyone. We're all people and just getting to know other folks and, and, and having a conversation, having communicating and, and we all have needs. We all have wants and we all, and we all make mistakes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just accept that and, and move forward. And, you will learn a lot more information from people when we build that relationship versus not having that relationship at all.
0: Exactly. Now, you mentioned making mistakes. Here's another, another change in mindset because one of the big buzzwords in industry is all about innovation. Gotta, gotta change, gotta innovate. Well, change is incremental. Innovation is a huge, big step in a new direction. If you're going to try and innovate, we're going to screw it up sometimes. Yes. But if people get punished for trying something new, yeah, nobody's going to innovate. Right. So one of the things I suggest to people is we've got to think about what's our innovation budget? What are people allowed to lose? How much can they screw up and they won't lose their job? I, I heard an example once of a gentleman... There was an accountant, a guy in the finance department. And he came up to me one day after doing a presentation and he said, I'm that guy. He said he came up with an idea that he thought would be fabulous for his organization. And he got the CEO to buy in. And this was a global company. In six months, he lost $3 million. And they got nothing. So... He walked into the CEO's office and he said, here's my letter of resignation. Before you fire me, (laughs) I screwed up. I am so sorry. I really thought this would work and it didn't. So here's my letter of resignation. And the CEO looked at him and he said, what? He said, no. He tore up the letter of of resignation and he said, why would I fire you? He said, I just invested $3 million in your education. I need some ROI on that. <laughs> nice. But he said, Tell me what you learned. Yeah. So we have to leave room for failure. And in the finance department, we tend not to. It's you're over budget, you screwed up, you're out.
1: So someone once told me an acronym fail. Stands for first attempt at learning.
0: Hmm. And actually... I love that. I
1: know. I, and I, I've been using it with my son. Uh, what have you failed at today, except for your classes? <laughs> and even, even if that, I mean, what did, what did you fail at? And, and then what did you learn so you don't do it again? Now, if you continue to fail at the same thing over and over again, that's a problem. But as long yes. as we're not doing that, as long as we learn from it, that's, that's, I mean, that's how, we, that's how we learn and grow, is by failure.
0: Yes. Yes. That's where the greatest learning is, is when you you fail. If you keep doing the same thing the same way, there's no growth there at all.
1: No, that's a bad hire, basically the way I say it. (laughs) So (laughs) any last parting uh, thoughts before we call this podcast to an end, my friend?
0: I think one of the biggest shifts in mindset that the CFO, the finance department, is that We've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You can't do the same thing the same way. There's going to be constant change, whether it's technology, whether it's your industry, whether it's your market, whether it's your customer base. So we have to learn to feel, get comfortable with skating on thin ice and be ready to adapt. As things change, we have to adapt. So anytime you hear that phrase, this is the way we've always done it. You need to turn around and say, Houston, I have a problem.
1: Yeah. So, Jennifer, I can't thank you enough. And I'm going to give a little plug here that you don't know about. But, folks, uh, Jennifer this past year, uh, she's a member of the National Speakers Association. And she was awarded the highest earned credential within the, uh, the Association of Certified Speaking Professional. Once again, Jennifer, congratulations on that milestone. And I can't wait till our paths cross very, very soon.
0: Thank you, Pete. Always a pleasure and look forward to seeing you on the road.
1: I would like to thank Jennifer for taking time out of her busy schedule to sit down and have this conversation with me. And now that you've listened to this episode, what are your next steps to beginning the transformation into the CFO of the future? Is it just a change of mindset? Is it learning new skills to prepare you for your new role? Is it building relationships throughout the organization? What will it be? I hope you take time and reflect on this conversation and begin to plan your next steps. If I can be of assistance to you, please contact me at peter at com and put in the subject line CFO Transformation. You can also reach Jennifer Elder at Jennifer at SustainableCFO.com Com. Thank you all for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Also, please visit csuiteradio.com to listen to many of the outstanding podcasts they have in their network. Have a great day.
0: Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.